<laughs> hello, hello. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Back from the dead, Garrett Berklin. <laughs> Never better. Had kidney stones, drinking coffee, don't learn my lesson. I don't know. So, hey, thanks uh, for being here. And for those of you who don't know me, my name is Garrett, and I haven't been here for a couple weeks because I was passing a kidney stone. So, um, and I milked it for How? all it's worth. Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. How'd I was supposed go, to speak way? last weekend, and I uh, bailed on it. So it's good to be back. And on a serious, a serious note, thank you, um, you guys, for all of your prayers, your kind notes, your well wishes. Um, it it was uh, it was great. We really appreciate it, and my family and I felt it. So thank you for your love and concern. And uh, super excited to be back here this morning, hanging out with all of you. It's a great family that we got here. So I'm really excited to be back at Arbor. This morning, obviously, things look a little bit different. Uh, got both of us up here, and uh, he drank Pepsi, and I'm drinking coffee, so we're all wired and ready to go. And we have three cups for two people. I just realized yeah, that. Yeah, here, I'll put this. This is the, yeah, I'll put this one down here. <laughs> now I'll go to water. Um, so today, we are closing up this series we've been in called Living Missionally, and um, if, if you've missed any or all of the rest of it, you picked a great day to be here. I think this is the most important one. Everything we've been doing has been pointing to today. And not only in this series, but really through the spring and the summer, the conversations we've been having have been aiming us to this point here today and where we're going forward from here. Today, we're going to talk about how we live missionally together in groups. This is our mission statement. When you walk in and see that big mission statement on the wall right back there that says making disciples together, this is a key component, a pillar, a cornerstone, if you will, of what that is, how we gather together in groups. So buckle your seatbelts. It's going to be a little different. Oftentimes, Sundays are passage-driven. Today is going to be more vision-driven. We talk about Sundays being for equipping, for teaching, for training. And so today is going to be very much a training environment around the mission and the vision of Arbor and how we live out this DNA as a unique family, a, a unique faith family. Um, yeah, I think that's where... So, so to start off, we're going to start off with with why, how we got to this point and why we are going to put so much emphasis on groups. And once we hopefully do the, a good job of that, we'll go more into the mechanics of what this will look like. But Jake is going to kind of take us back on why we got here. Yeah, exactly. It's a very nuts and bolts kind of Sunday. So if this is your first Sunday, we don't normally walk through this process in this way. But what we're trying to do is we wanted Sundays to be very much like a training ground where we can kind of come in and we can actually talk as family. And so this is what we're doing today. We're kind of talking as family. And so um, the beginning of this, the why, where it all started, um, it probably started three years ago today, actually. So on this actual day. Today is my um, anniversary, my wedding anniversary. So that is, um, you know, 12 years I've been married to my beautiful bride. Way to go. So thank you. Yeah. Most, most credit goes to her. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. Uh, but the other part of that is it's very bittersweet sweet for us because today is also the anniversary of um, what we call Diagnosis Day. So this was the day three years ago in which we walked into a hospital and we were told that our daughter um, has a 0% survival rate because she had brain cancer. And so, um, so it starts for us there. And I, I know a lot of you who've walked into this place, you know our story, you know my story, you know what we've kind of walked through. Um, and it's not been an easy road, but that was the place where this kind of launched. Prior to that, 
I was a pastor who loved Jesus and wanted to see people come to know him. Uh, but now I am a pastor who still loves Jesus and is ridiculously um, set upon helping people come to know him. I mean, that feels like uh, our eyes were opened um, in that situation. And I don't know how your eyes can't be open in a situation like that. Yeah. So, I mean, for us, what, what changed a bunch was, one is we noticed the amount of pain that we felt in that period of time, and then the amount of pain that we see in other people. We realized that this world is drowning in pain, and, um, and literally, as Dave was praying, that's exactly what is happening all over the place. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt all over the place. Uh, the crazy thing is, is as Christians, we have the answer for that. Um, you know, it may not happen in this lifetime, which I have learned firsthand that um, some of us may live the rest of our life in pain, but there is an eternity. There is a hope in heaven. And that's really, when we walked Maggie to the doorstep of heaven, that helped change our perspective. That put a light inside of me and a fire inside of me and my wife to, to move forward. And that's why we decided to plant a church is because we want everybody that we walk in contact with to know or as many as possible to know about truly what is the most amazing opportunity for people to spend eternity in heaven. And so I think we take that for granted. I don't think we talk about that enough. Um, and so that is where it changed for us. We have been compelled to tell. And so that's why we started the church. Uh, and the reason why is we started from scratch. We went from nothing. You know, I was working at a great church at the time. Uh, the reason we started from scratch is that we realized that the most effective way, statistically speaking, to reach people for the gospel that have never heard about Jesus is to actually plant a church. In the United States, that is the most effective way to reach people for the gospel, is to start a new community. And so that's what we've done. That's what this is. And so the reason why is truly we want everybody to know about the hope of heaven. That's it. It's as simple as that. We want to make disciples who know him. Uh, but when we decided to plant a church, there was one thing that I did know, and that was this. I didn't want to plant church same old, same old. Um, I didn't want to do the same thing that every church has been doing. I don't know how different we'll be, but we do want to try to aim to, um, to reach people nobody is reaching. And so uh, we didn't want to do the same church thing. So let's talk about the state of the church that they are, uh, you know, what we would say, culturally... Er er <laughs> Irrelevant, or irrelevant. Irrelevant. Oh my gosh. Not irrelevant. <laughs> so frustrating. You need to know. I you love need it. to I love know. It. I sat in my office and practiced this with him. I found there is a word I cannot say. And you know, it's funny because then Anna comes in to my office last week too. And I said, man, it's so relevant, right? Revelant. There it is. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, that's too. I said it wrong again. Oh my gosh, don't, Just don't let judge it, me, let it go. don't judge me. So good. So I said it wrong again, and again, and again, and again, and so I told Anna in our meeting, I'm like, I can't get to, wait, they're the same word. So there's a word I can't actually say. It's fun, to, it's fun to listen to you try, though. Thank you, I appreciate that. Yeah, so, yeah. All right, so do you want to talk about how yeah. our church is? Yeah, we're going to kind of talk about the, <laughs> the state I, I, of the union, oh, how the church is irrelevant. Thank you, yeah. that's good, that's yeah. good. You can say Revenant, but that's a movie that you probably like. I liked that one. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I, I, and he's back. Uh, yeah, so, you know, one of the, one of the things, um, when I met Jake a year and a half ago or so um, and, and talked to him and, and learned this story that he was just sharing, um, there was an urgency that he and Davey had that, that was um, compelling and contagious to me, something that I hadn't felt for a long time. And I, I told him many times, 
I want to learn what you learn without going through what you've gone through. You know, there's times in our lives where we have opportunities to, to meet people who have gone through something that we would never wish on ourselves or even our greatest enemies, um, yet there's an incredible opportunity to learn. And so I've tried to stay as close to Jake as I can for the last year and a half um, because this urgency of the hope in heaven is real and the gospel of Jesus is real. And it is just absolutely crazy that we would not spend every waking moment trying to share that with people. And uh, what, what is different is we're going to talk about how culturally Christianity and the church and religion is not relevant at all anymore, especially up here in, in the Northwest. Um, but I think what's not relevant is religion. All the steps people go through and what they've seen as Christianity, what they've seen as church. Jesus, amongst all religions and all non-religions, continues and will always be insanely relevant and insanely compelling. And so um, keep that in mind because we're going to go through some stuff that's a little bit disheartening, but I think you probably already know this. You may not know the numbers, but you probably experience it in your daily life. In America, nationally, 40% of people self-identify as Christian. So basically half of us. That's down from the mid-80s, like 80% in the 1970s and 1980s. So in a 40-year stretch, there's been about a 30% decline. 23% of Americans right now um, self-identify as having zero religious affiliation. So that's agnostics, atheists, um, or I just don't care, don't want to talk about it. 23%. So 47 claim to be Christian, 23, no religion at all. What about in the Northwest? Let's compare the Seattle metro area to the rest of the nation. 33% of people in our community claim to be Christian. That's 14% less than the national average. You really emphasize that. (laughs) I mean, that's crazy. Uh, 37% have no religious affiliation at all, which I think is interesting is also 14% greater than the rest of the country. So we're leading at something, I guess. That's that's one takeaway. Um, But I think... I experienced this in my life. I'm assuming you do largely in yours that um, church isn't a cultural norm anymore. I grew up here. I grew up in Kirkland. And, you know, as a 10-year-old, it was not, um, it wasn't weird to go to the barber and say, you know, I'm going to church on Sunday or I'm going to church camp or have the barber ask you something along those lines. You know, any interaction I had throughout my life, it was fairly normal. I remember, you know, getting on the bus, the school bus as a kid, and the bus driver said, kind of pulled me aside and said, hey, are you a Christian? And I was like, yeah, I am. He's like, there's just something different in your eyes. And I didn't know if that was actually a really cool compliment or if that was just a bit he had to encourage all of us. But either way, <laughs> either way it wasn't like off limits for him to say that. Uh, now is a completely different story. I don't experience that. In fact, I was reflecting upon, um, in this last year, my daughter has gotten into competitive gymnastics. And Um, How many of you guys know people are in church all the time in all different ways, just not this kind of church? Like gymnastics, and I'm sure a lot of you that have um, kids in sports, it's like its own little faith family. It has its own community. These people are super tight-knit. They spend a lot of time together. And so at the beginning of the gymnastics season, um, one of the families had kind of an open house, invited all the kids and all the parents to come and get to know each other and hang out. And so, you know, at those types of things, as they go... People are talking, and it's all a bunch of small talk, and, and uh, how you doing, what's your name, where do you live, what do you do? 
And uh, I used to have really creative ways to answer that. Oh, I'm in uh, team building and um, public speaking. And <laughs> then it ended up feeling like a total bait and switch. People were like, well, that was yeah. weird. Why didn't you just tell me you were a pastor? So <laughs> now I just say I'm a pastor. <laughs> but, man, if you thought it was hard to talk to people about faith, try being a pastor. The second you tell people that's what you do, uh, it just shuts everything down. It's like they don't know where they're trapped and they can't get out of that conversation yeah, quick exactly. enough. It's yeah. so awkward, yeah. man. They're either really excited, which is like the minority. Well, that's like or once it, ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I so tapped, tapped so in, twice. in my story. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's great Should when I we go both sit have over there? I, I mean, if you want. <laughs> is the lighting better right here? Yeah. <laughs> It so is, it is because I'm in it. Yeah. That's exactly. oh, All right, moving along. So so we're at the we're in this kitchen and uh, talking to people, and this guy asks me what I do, and I tell him I'm a pastor. And he goes, "Oh my gosh, I don't know if I've ever met a pastor before." And I said, "Really?" He said, "Yeah. I mean, gosh, do people still go to church. Like, what do you guys do?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, not in the summer, but otherwise, yeah, <laughs> mostly." And I mean, I, I actually had a little panic attack. I thought it was so bizarre to him. I thought he was going to parade me around the house and introduce <laughs> me to all his other friends. Like, hey, this guy goes to church. In fact, he runs one. How weird is that? I mean, it was, it was so off script and like out of the norm for him. And there was two other people I talked to that day. The other two um, weren't so blown away. But the other two that I talked to self-identified as growing up uh, going to church, but now we're adults and why would we choose to do that on our own you know it's just like truly this does not make sense to us yeah you didn't even say the stat in here that 17 percent is that 17 percent of millennials claim yeah. to be christians yeah when you look only at this only 17 percent of the next generation claim to be christians yeah so. when you look at it um the millennials are a third of what the rest of the nation are i mean it's it's changing it's changing really really, really fast, fast. So what he was saying with that, and when it comes to how churches run and whatnot, when we decided that we wanted to plant a church, I think the idea was that we didn't want to do the same old church, because if we're going to get the same results, those results obviously are not working. And so, um, so we wanted to try to do church differently. So I want to talk to church as a whole when it comes to how typical church is run um, in the United States. So right now we're talking on a typical scale. This is your evangelical church. This is how most churches run. They're run through what is called an attractional model. That was made famous by Rick Warren in Saddleback, and now it's caught on to the rest of the United States. So in the United States, this is how most churches operate. They operate through kind of a, um, a funnel system. And the funnel system, for some of you, you've seen me draw this a handful of times, but we want to get all on the same page. Here's the funnel system about how most churches operate. The goal is simply is that there are unchurched people out here, all right? This is where the world is, all right? This is where the world is, and we want them to become fully devoted disciples, Pastors like myself sit and think through processes and systems in order to help bring people to become fully devoted disciples. This was a very effective model that I would say probably 10 years ago. But now, unfortunately, as we're seeing the trends go, it's not working the way it used to. So the idea was this, is that you would, quote unquote, you've heard this a zillion times if you've been in church, is that we want you to invite somebody to church. Right? The gospel says go and make disciples, but we're saying we want you to bring everyone to church. And so the first step to move people in is that they would show up on a Sunday. 
And so in order to make that comfortable, in order to make that the way that everybody would feel comfortable, a non-Christian would come in and they would sit in a pew and they'd sit in a church and they'd have a good experience. What we ended up doing is we ended up being what's called seeker sensitive, where they come in and they would sit down um, and they would be like, ah, there we go. This is what church is like. So it's not that bad. And it would slowly move them into maybe thinking, oh, this is okay. Um, and so this would be kind of a, I guess I've called it uh, like a movie theater experience. Let us entertain you to a degree. Um, and again, I'm being very cynical a little bit in, in the process of this. But um, again, this was, this was our approach. And I just want you to know, I bought in a full hook, line, and sinker into this. This is how I designed our ministries as well um, at Overlake. And so Sunday morning is where you come in. And then the next step would be naturally to go into what we call as groups or small groups back then. These typically, if you've been to a church experience, are Bible studies. And the idea of this step, the second step, would be that you would go deep into God's word. You would start to grow. This is the grow for focus. This is the open door experience. Then you move into the grow experience. The struggle with this is this line right here. People really struggled and had a hard time in the church experience to move from a Sunday morning to a group. And I've said this before, it is probably the most difficult step in this entire process because what you're doing on a Sunday morning is you're saying, hey, I'm so glad you came for the first time. Your next step in this process is we want you to sit and join a group in some stranger's house with people you've never met. We want you to open a Bible that you may have never looked at and we want you to talk about your feelings, right? (laughs) And so it's no wonder that nobody actually did this. The only people who did this were those people that were, I guess, let's been Christians for years for the most part. And unfortunately, it became difficult and the growth would stop here and people would just exit the church at that point in time from a Sunday morning. They would just leave and say, this God is not relevant. He's not connected to me. The last one we're not going to talk a lot about today, but eventually we will, is what are known as teams. These are mission teams. These are evangelistic teams. These are teams that go across either internationally or local to help serve. So this is how the process worked. This is about 90% of the churches across the nation. And I'm just telling you right now, from my experience and from paying attention, is that this model worked at working anymore, and especially in this area, especially in the Northwest. And so when we went to set about putting the church together, we wanted to put a church together in a different model. We wanted to try something different. We may fail at it, okay? And this may not work, but we want to try something different because if we keep doing this, we're going to get the same results, which is not, not good. It's those statistics that you just read there. And so we came up with what we're calling, and it's, again, this isn't brand new to us, but we came up with what we are calling either, we're not sure what to call this actually, we're not sure if we're calling it the, like a, a power plant model or, um, or uh, like a, like a, um, what is it, an hourglass, hourglass or, you know, the shape of a woman's body model. Um, so. We've never talked about that. <laughs> so. Is that recorded? Man. So, so, so many things I want to say we're, right now, but I'm, I'm restraining on all of them. All right, we're going here. So here's our idea. It's that we're not going to start on Sunday. Yeah. Sunday isn't your open door, front door experience, okay? Sunday sits smack dab in the middle. Instead of using them as an attractional model, what they're used for is more of your growth model. 
And that's why we're actually talking about this on a Sunday morning, is this is our training period of time. We're considering, we're talking to Christians. If you were to go to a church like this, an attractional model, have you ever noticed that every language they're talking to the new believer, but yet 90% or 95% of the people in the audience are actually Christians? So we just thought, hey, on a Sunday morning, if 95% of our audience is Christians, then we're going to talk to the Christians on a Sunday morning. And if you're here for the first time, and you're like, hey, I am not a Christian. I'm just jumping into this. I'm so glad you're here. Guess what? We're going to be transparent with you, and we're lifting up the hood, and this is what we're about, because this is so important to us, that people would find Jesus and find their way to heaven, that we are being strategic about what we're actually trying to do. And so... Sundays works for more of the growth side of things. And what we've done is we flip-flopped the two ones. We put their team still sit down here. But what we have done and what we're going to talk a lot about today is the fact that groups now have moved up here. And they've moved from being a, uh, a growth-oriented type of um, program to being a missional type of program. That's exactly what we're talking about here, missional living. And so the idea in this is that people in this church philosophy is that they can come in and go out from both directions. And here's what I mean by that, is that these groups would be missional in their nature, that they would be attractional for and, and, and easy for non-Christians, those who don't have faith, would be able to join in these. That would be their first step. It's more intimate. It's, you know, it's not, a lot of people will not, like, walk through the front door of a church simply because of the stereotypes that are sitting out there right now. But they may join into a group. That's one way to enter into this equation. The other one is what's happening culturally, and we'll talk about this more as time goes along, is in teams, in the avenue of teams. These are mission teams, teams that are going out that are caring for people and um, those who are hurting in the neighborhood or those who are hurting in the world. And so this has become very much something that um, people that don't know Jesus now want to do. They want to help those who are less fortunate. They want to lend a hand. It has become very popular. And so this is another way in for people to join in. But the idea is that we would all come into this process, if you will, or this, um, this power plant, and we would, you know, at this mix, we would do it together. We would do church together, and we'd figure it out in here. And in the process, we would find our way. You know, in the process, we would grow. We would join groups and be evangelistic. We'd join teams, and we'd help the hurting. And hopefully, as we're doing that, we would bring people inside, and we'd bring people into a relationship with Jesus. Now, these groups because that's what we're going to be focusing on all today, is right here. This is the part of the process that we're zooming in on. These groups are go groups. Go, therefore, and make disciples. That is the Great Commission. That is what we are trying to do. So these are designed to go out into the community, into the place where those who don't know Jesus are, and reach them there. Um, Here's the thing about it. If you've been going to church for a long period of time, you may have gotten really used to this. And there's going to be a handful of you who are going to go, well, this is not what I want. You know, when I join the church, this is not what I want. Please hear me on this. I don't think that's what any of us really want because it's not comfortable, but I do think it's what the church needs. Truly. Not just our church. I'm talking about the church with a capital C is that we need to live missionally and hopefully this program will allow us the ability to be able to do so. And so it's not, some of you who have been doing life groups for a long time, small groups, community groups, whatever they are, it's going to feel very weird and it's going to be difficult because I feel like this is what we need, 
not exactly what we want. And so one of the guys, another pastor named Craig Rochelle, he said this, and it's a great quote. I think you actually said it a few weeks ago. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you said, if, you, if we want to reach people no one else is reaching, then we need to do things that no one else is doing. And that's our hope in this model versus that model, is that we would try to reach people that nobody else is reaching. So we've got to do some stuff that nobody else is doing. Other people have tried this, but we'll yeah. talk about that. Um, and so let's maybe start to jump into details, unless yeah. you look no, like that's you want great. to add to it. Well, I'm, I'm just going to use your great illustrations to, to dive off of there. <clears throat> Even though he, he said, being a little cynical about that, there's nothing wrong with this, and it did work really, really well, and there's still some churches that are doing this really well. The, the quote he just read is from Craig Rochelle, who's the pastor of, I believe, the largest church in America. It's based out of Oklahoma City. Um, I don't even know where they're at now, 30-some campuses. I mean, they're, they're gigantic, and tens of thousands of people meet there, but it's Oklahoma. Another person that we follow closely is a pastor named Andy Stanley. His church is out, out of Atlanta. These are areas of our nation that um, there's still a cultural relevance to Christianity. Church on Sunday morning is still a normal thing. We're different than that here. But if you think about this, people my age and older grew up with a familiarity to church and Sunday. So going and inviting your friend to come to church with you wasn't too super bizarre. If they hadn't gone before, maybe they grew up Catholic and didn't really like that, but now they're an adult and they were open to you know coming to a, uh, a Protestant experience. I don't know. But the pendulum is constantly swinging, and we know that in our area up here in the Northwest, we're trending away from people even being anywhere remotely familiar with church at all. So it's super awkward to come to church, let alone to a group. My friends and younger, when they have um, questions about faith, the two primary places they're going to go is to the internet, right? They're going to Google it. They're going to look on social media. They're going to kind of feel out faith that way. And they're going to go with their friends. And so we thought, well, if people still get together and not just hang out in chat rooms on the internet, like people are still getting together, like alive together, <laughs> then why are we always asking people to come to us, to check into our system? What if we just acted normal and went to them? <laughs> I mean, it seems pretty, pretty good, pretty easy. And if we do that, from a church thing, this doesn't become um, just a program that we're running and another philosophy, another strategy. It actually is just us creating a, a, a level and a sense of awareness to be ourselves and to just be normal. And as we talked through this, Jake and I were like, well, we like that. We don't want to like, feel like we're cramming program down people's throats and, and managing adults. We want to inspire and encourage all of us to live out this incredible blessing that we've received, which is uh, life and love through Jesus, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And so when it comes to these groups, now we're going to kind of get our teeth into what they are and, and what the emphasis of them is, all right? So here's, that's where we're going. There's two markers of what groups at Arbor are going to be about. You ready? They're going to be missional, and they're going to be community. They're going to be missional, and they're going to be community. Your turn. Say it back to me. They're going to be missional and community. Awesome. I bet you're going to remember those two things at least. So what does missional mean? It's what I was just saying. Jake's touched on it a little bit too. Invitational, inclusive. Missional can kind of be kind of a churchy word, you know, but so that, so that we understand it's an intentionality of leaning forward and caring about them, about being 
invitational, purposefully, intentionally being invitational and inclusive. It's going to be community by having a level playing field where everyone feels a sense of being known and that they belong, that this is a place that I can come as myself and that I matter. And I'm known for here and I'm cared for here no matter what. These groups are purposefully centered around the Great Commission and our mission statement here to go and make disciples. And so I'm hoping that those two words, that's really as much as we want to manage them. When I've met with the group leaders over this last month, we've had a couple opportunities to get together and meet and have this conversation and train. And um, I said, there's only two things I want you to remember. Whatever your group is, whatever it does, whatever it's centered around, how is it going to be missional? How is it going to be inclusive purposefully? And how is it going to create a sense of community? I think the two out of those, probably missional is going to be the one that we have the most difficulty on. Mm-hmm. I think some of us are pretty good at community. Some of us are not. Some of us, that's, you know, that's not our area. But, the, but some of us, most of us, being missional, that's going to be the hard piece. That's going to be the hard transition. So there's two elements to this. There's obviously the group element, which is kind of the programmatic side of things. And then there's the lifestyle piece of this. Right. And in that, this will not work unless we all jump on board with this, unless we all adopt this missional mindset. And I truly mean that. We have got to have a shift in our mindset. Uh, we have to start looking um, at our life and where we're walking through and everyone that we meet on a, with a missional mindset. Do they know Jesus? Can I help them in their needs? Do they need, do they need Jesus? The answer to that is absolutely yes. And this is a life and death, truly a life and death type of situation. If you were to walk up and you were to see a situation where a kid was about to go off the cliff, you would intervene. If you were to walk in and somebody needs some help where, you know, oh my gosh, I I can solve this problem and their life was on the line, you would intervene. I believe it's even more important than people's lives being on on the line when it comes to their eternity because it lasts a whole heck of a lot longer. And so truly it is a mind shift and it is life and death. Proverbs 14, 12 says this, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to death. This is life and death. Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. James 1, 5, 15 says, when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. This is truly a life and death situation. The best way that I could possibly illustrate this, I spent a lot of time trying to think of how can I illustrate this where we would get it, where this complete mind shift would happen. And I thought of an old movie um, that, uh, that uh, you may or may not have seen. Um, but here, watch this and think about this through the idea of life and death and our mission and to have a missional mindset. Here you go. I want to tell you my secret now. see what they want to see. They don't know their 
often do you see them? They're everywhere. Scary. <laughs> that thought process, if you've watched that movie um, a long time ago, uh, that idea that there are dead people, uh, that this kid sees them, he has the ability to see dead people, um, and he sees them, and they're walking around like regular people. It is the same situation in our world. We have people who do not know Jesus. According to Scripture, that means they are in sin, that they are dying, that they're even dead, and they're walking around. They don't know that they're dead. They, I mean, did you catch that? They don't know that they're dead. They're walking around like regular people, and they are. They're walk- we have friends that are walking around, and they're dead. And we have literally the cure. We literally have life to be able to hand them in the name of Jesus Christ and what he's actually done. And so um, it's crazy because I have a lot of my friends who would say they wouldn't even recognize the fact that they're, you know, that they're walking around dead. They wouldn't even acknowledge that. Well, I don't believe in that. Well, I mean, what's interesting, and I'm going to spoil this movie for you, and if you haven't seen it by now, come on. Like, I mean, this is like a decade later. <laughs> the kid is literally talking to his counselor who is dead. And when they're looking at him, he's saying, they, I see dead people. They don't know that they're dead. They're walking around like regular people. How often do you see them? And then the camera was on him, and he said, all the time. And literally, the guy who's talking to him is like, oh, he doesn't realize. And at the end of the movie, you realize, oh my gosh, the counselor was dead the whole entire time. There you are. Spoiled it. Don't need to watch it. <laughs> um, but... Truly, that's the deal. Our friends, our family members, those we care about, they're walking around, they're dead, they need our help, and we have the cure for heaven's sakes, and the cure is heaven for heaven's sakes. Yeah. And, so, um, and so that's the whole idea. We have to shift our mind. We have to be able to see like this little kid, you know? We have to be able to look through the eyes of Jesus. And the eyes of Jesus as he sees his kids going astray. And he wants us, and he's commissioned us, the Great Commission, to go and grab them and bring them back into his family into our family. And so that's what I mean when I say in a mind shift. These groups will not work unless those involved have that mindset. And we will continue to talk about it and talk about it and talk about it because that is what we've been asked to do by Jesus is to go and make disciples. Yeah. And so that's the mind shift that yeah. needs to happen for these to actually um, to, to be successful. Yeah, yeah. there's a, there's a nuance here though that uh, as you're talking about this and you're, th- and you're thinking this way, we believe this to be true, spiritually speaking, with our Christian worldview, yet I, at least many of my friends um, don't want to hear about that so much, yeah. you know? Like, um, these groups, they're not church groups for all intents and purposes. If I invite my friend with an ulterior motive to hopefully tell him or her about Jesus and um, that life is at stake, the whole heaven-hell thing to them is, like, that overplayed, right? Like, so for us, we have to know this is a long play. Yeah. This is relational. People sniff out ulterior motives like that. Um, that's not what we're doing. There's an ultimate mo- motive, and some authors um, that I really like distinguish between an ulterior motive and an ultimate motive. The ultimate motive, of course, if this is truly what we believe, is that everyone would know mm-hmm. and, and come to love and accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. But um, oftentimes it is a long play. And it's meeting people on common ground. And so that's what these groups are going to be designed to do. Rather than being Bible studies and groups that uh, discuss the weekend, 
message, that sort of thing that many of us are used to, these groups are going to center around common interests, things that we already do in our lives and that is easy and uh, a level playing field to invite other people into. And through relationship and through the guiding of the Holy Spirit, we will navigate what that looks like. You know, people will ask in time or oftentimes in people's times of need and times of pain, there will be opportunities to step in and invest to them. But these groups are going to be purposefully uh, centered around common interest. And, um, and so the, 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 the mantra here is think normal, not church. Okay, like a lot of times when we get together for our church small groups, we are in church mode because we're about to do a church thing. And uh, think Friday night, think Saturday night, just normal life, whatever you do. You know, you play board games, you go to movies, you watch sports, you watch Monday night football, whatever those things are that you do and like to do with your friends. On Friday night, you watch Monday night football? (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Whatever, miss, uh, your body is a wonderland over here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just want to make church. So, all right. I want to make church interesting. Uh, That's it. All right, give us examples. Like a variety brother. act Example. up here. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm just going to go through. I'm going to give you five examples quickly to to help get your mind. Like, okay, what are they talking about here? Um, a group of guys like to go running. They get together Saturday mornings. They go for a five mile run. Afterwards, go to Starbucks, talk about the run, chart out next week's run, and in the process of all that, they talk like people about. Family, friends, current events, maybe even some faith issues come up. Uh, moms, moms play date throughout the fall. It rains a lot here. So they get together. They find different indoor play spaces around Woodenville. And um, the kids get to go play, and they have hopefully a mostly uninterrupted time of uh, time to chat and hang out and just catch up. Being a mom, especially of, of little ones, is a tough, tough go. And so this is a time, you know, to you could easily invite anyone, church, non-church, to be a part of that. Um, a marriage small group where the whole family is invited to come. And uh, each couple chips in five bucks, pay for a babysitter. They hang out for 15 minutes, eat some snacks. Then the kids go downstairs with the babysitter. And the adults stay upstairs, watch a 15-minute video on marriage, the nuances of it. And uh, try and just kind of bring to light and be lighthearted about it. And then spend some time talking about, to each other about, uh, about marriage and how honestly difficult it can be at times. Um, another one, this is a, this is a great one, um, based around a common interest to serve. Jake was talking about there on the bottom where it says teams. And we know, I love this about some of the younger generations, how, how much they care about, um, about serving and the well-being of others. And so... There's, uh, we have a partnership with an organization here in Woodinville called the Woodinville Storehouse. It's a food bank. And this group would get together on a weekly basis and help organize food. And then once a month, serve a hot meal to those in need that come there. And they'd serve the meal. And then once they're done serving, they'd go hang out at the tables and just eat with them and hang out, get to know people. Last one also is around food, but a different way. This is like foodies unite. I like this one. Yeah, Jake likes this one. Um, so each week, you find a different restaurant, different, different uh, like ethnic food or whatever it is. Not they, ethnic, just meat oh, and just potatoes. Burgers. Yeah, burgers. Just burgers and fries yeah, and Pepsi. Going. That's right. Dude. Who has the best Pepsi? <laughs> Dude, you're a jerk. <laughs> That's what Tawny says, too. Yeah. I'm going to the marriage small group. <laughs> you eat. I talk about my marriage. Um Anyway, you get the picture, right? Like these are, are things that we enjoy doing, 
It involves people and getting together. It's easy to invite anyone to do this stuff with. And over the course of time, you have conversations. A couple quick details. They're short-term, not long-term. 10 to 12 weeks, there's a clear start period and a clear stop period. That's so people don't feel like they're committing to a life sentence. You don't have to communicate to my, <laughs> your friends like, hey, come to my church small group. It lasts, you know, like a year. It's like, it just alleviates all that awkwardness. And for us, it gives us a clear time to start and to sign up, a clear time to take off. So coming into the holidays, we'll, we'll take a month break and wait till we come back in January. Um, if the groups are jiving and you're like, this is cool, people are liking it, let's continue, then you can do that. But the break gives people that are like, yeah, you guys were fine, but I'd like to try something else, an opportunity to do so without feeling ashamed, you know? Does that make sense? Just really easy, intuitive stuff. The other thing that's super important, and I really like this part, is that we're going to intentionally leave margin in these groups. So what I mean is, if there's a group that has room for 15 people, we're going to cap the Arbor signups at 10 or 11 people. And so when it hits that point, the group will show full, even though it can take 15, because what's the whole point of these things? To be missional. And how in the world are you going to be missional if it fills up with all of us? So we're going to cap the ability for us to sign up so that we are purposefully going to be forced to go talk to our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers. That's huge. It's, that's I a big deal. That. Yeah. It is huge. Well, it's a couple questions. As this has been coming up, there's been a handful of questions as we've shared it with a few individuals and whatnot. Um, one of them have asked the question, how is this going to go deeper or how do I go deeper right. scripturally? So because this is what I'm used to when it comes to groups, that this is a Bible study, this is no longer here. So how do I go deep um, when it comes to scripture? Because growth, spiritual growth is truly important. Mm -hmm. There's other ways for spiritual growth, just so that you know, uh, beyond just reading God's, um, reading God's word and looking and doing a study. Um, I trust me, if you are full-fledged evangelistic and you're going out and living missionally, you will grow a ton that way. Um, but where are we going to get spiritual, scriptural growth? Um, one of the things to know is hopefully that's what Sunday is designed to do. We're going to teach expository whenever possible, when um, topical, when we can, um, or when we have to. But truly, we want to go as deep as we can on a Sunday morning uh, on, uh, in God's Word. What you're not seeing here and what you haven't seen as a church so far is the two other things that we have hoped to have happen on Sunday. One of those, is we've talked about it, is classes. Uh, classes, what I mean by that is I'm actually talking, in a way, kind of like old school Sunday school. Uh, where you kind of get back in. I truly, I've said this before, I think Sunday school is about to be sexy again. Um, I, I think what will happen is that we have had people that are craving to know what God's word actually says, because for the most part, our churches are biblically illiterate, which is unfortunate. Um, but the deal is, is that these classes will hopefully take care of those. Do we have those classes yet? No, we do not. Why don't we have them? We're only six months old. Another piece of this is actually what we're going to call grow tools. We barely talked about this. Grow tools are a way in which we will help people to grow on their own. We'll help all of us to grow on our own. The, you know, the, when it comes to spiritual growth, who is the most responsible for that? We are. And so we are to grow ourselves, to grow our own. And we want to give you the tools to be able to do that, to be able to do Bible studies on your own, to be able to grab a verse out of the Bible, whatever verse it is, to be able to look at it, to be able to understand it, to know what type of passage you're actually reading, and then put application to it. Does it matter to my life today? Our hope is that we will get there. Now, again, do we have those? We do not. And the reason we do not have them is because we are six months old. We are a baby church. We're big boned, but we are a baby, <laughs> baby church. 
And so a lot of people come and you'd say, oh my gosh, this church has this many numbers. They must have this going, that going, this going, that going. No, we don't. We're only six months old. And what that means is this, is we can only spin so many plates. So many pastors have tried to all of a sudden jump up and then we're going to put all these plates up. I'm going to do a counseling ministry and women's ministry and men's ministry and worship ministry and children's ministry and Sundays and all these things that are expected at a church. What we want to do is we want to take our time and we want to do the, the essential ones right. We want to do all of them right. And so right now we started, we had to take care of Sundays. So on a Sunday morning, we got that, uh, that plate spinning. In order to do that, you need children's ministry. You should see how many kids are over there right now. It is crazy town. I'm glad I'm here. Um, and so that plate is spinning, and we had to get worship spinning. And we, you know, the next big plate that we have that we're tackling, the biggest one that we have is groups. Yep. Because we think this is going to be the most essential for moving us forward. Will we get to these ones? Yes, we will. In the meantime, though, I just say, trust us in the sense that it is coming, but we want to do it at the right time when we have the capacity to be able to do so. Yeah. So super important. Yeah. I think the other, there's, there's two main questions. There's that, how do I go deeper in scripture? The other one is how do I go deeper in relationship or how do I have meaningful relationships? How do I get to know people here? And I, I, I think that's a good question, a really important question. Um, so, but let me just say this recently, um, trying to think how to say this concisely, but Recently, uh, a friend of mine that I have uh, became friends a couple years ago, he's a neighbor, and uh, I'm scared to say this because it's recorded, and then like if this gets heard on a podcast, it's like, uh, anyway, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. I'll send him the link, no worries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, about a month ago, sent me a text that was very short, my marriage is falling apart and I need Jesus. And that was like, a quantum leap from the types of conversations we'd been having before. But two years worth of, of friendship, building friendship, um, had gotten him to a place where he felt comfortable enough to say that to me. And uh, we got together that night, as you do, right? You don't put that thing off for like two weeks. We got together that night and had uh, dinner together and started talking and man it's just been incredible the conversations that have developed out of there and and some of the healing that's coming about which is really cool but the reason I'm saying this is how do you go deeper in relationships there's no nothing deeper than obedience number one and number two when you start having experiences like this your faith becomes so much more real and your relationships become so much more real I hope you're hearing me in the right way that that Getting together in Bible studies is a great thing, and it is a really good way to go deeper with people, but I'm telling you, when you live on mission and you begin to live out your faith and start to see how other people's lives are changing in ways that you might have even forgot that yours had a while ago, it's going to take you to a depth of relationship that uh, you may have forgotten about. All right, to close this up, a couple thoughts. Uh, one of them is, uh, you might be sitting there thinking, at least I know I've heard this from a few, is uh, this seems hard. And uh, I would say, yep, you are correct. You're right. This is going to be very hard. Um, this is completely dependent upon us as a congregation that we would all tackle this individually. And if we tackle this individually, it'll make an impact. But what Jesus said is he literally said in Matthew 10 that I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. He said, therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. What we're going to have to battle, you guys, is comfortability. Because... 
we're going to all want to fall back into what groups used to look like, where that's comfortable, that is known. But if we go forward in this way, it could be huge. It completely could be huge. In fact, Garrett came into my office a little while ago. He sat down after he was having some conversations, some initial conversations about what these groups would be like, that they are going to be missional, that they're going to be, you know, they're going to have community, missional communities. And he said, are you ready for the backlash on that? Do you really want that? Because I have a feeling that we're going to have people leave the church because of this. And uh, I don't think I hesitated at all no, um, in the sense that quickly. I was absolutely, do I want to try this? Let me, the, the other thought is this, is are we sure this is going to work? <laughs> no, we're not even, we're not sure if this is going to work. But you know what? If we don't try, we're going to get the same results that we're getting. And you just saw the stats. It's not good. So as a community of believers in faith, we've got to try something different. And if it fails, okay, you know what? We'll go and we'll try something else. We'll scratch up. I don't even want to say it anymore, what that, <laughs> what that shape is. <laughs> the power plant was what I was thinking, all right? There you go. But the, if we're going to scratch this up, we'll try something different. But right now, this is where we think the best option is when we could go and make disciples and to reach people that nobody else is re reaching. The thing is, it's going to be hard. Do we know if it's going to work? We totally do not. But imagine if we didn't try. The one thing I know it will be if it does work you guys, it will be so fulfilling, so fulfilling to watch and to see what God does through this. And so we're willing to give it a shot. My hope is, and our hope is, that you would stack hands, you would link arms with us, and you'd be willing to give it a shot as well. Because it's not just us. We could try, right. we would make two groups, we could be one group, we could do that, and there you go, and we would affect a very small amount of people. But our hope is that we would all live missional lives, and we would do it in the context of these groups. Yeah. And so I think that's... Yeah, yeah, and to be clear, we don't want you to leave. So when I asked him, <laughs> are you okay with this because people might leave, we don't want you to leave, but we want to be really clear about where we're headed as a church and what this really is built on and what we're going after because uh, we don't want to frustrate you, you know? We want to be really clear up front that, yes, we mean what we're saying and this is the direction we're going. And yeah. like you said, I hope that we can all stack hands and go at this because when I look at this room added to the room that was here at 9 o'clock and uh, the amount of impact a bunch of people living this way could have on, on our community around here, I get pretty excited. Yeah, so. Can I pray for us?